Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. We are all in for such an extraordinary treat. I didn't even do my full spiel. I didn't even do my full intro where I'm like, hello, I'm Aliza Kelly. This is Stars Like Us because I'm just so excited to have a fellow astrologer on the show. It is always such a treat whenever we get to just you know talk shop, if you will. And I am here with a colleague of mine, someone who I have worked with, an incredible supporter, just an amazing person who exists in the astrology space and the astrology community. This is Stephanie Campos. Stephanie is a modern mystic, witch, astrologer, and serious cat lover. She utilizes the magic of astrology, EFT tapping, and energy work as a foundation for radical shifts and transformation. Stephanie believes you are inherently worthy and deserving of your heart's wildest dreams, and she's honored and humbled to serve as your cosmic guide as you reclaim your power and own your authenticity. Also should mention that Stephanie is a Leo sun, Virgo moon, Leo rising, and we both share a birth year. So we have very, very close to almost identical charts, except, you know, there's a few major differences. We have different moons, but they're opposite moons which is basically the same. And I think we have almost all of the same personal planets, maybe like one or two exceptions, but this is my twin. Welcome my twin, everyone. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm blushing in every dimension. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. (laughs) I am so excited. It feels like this is the longest time coming and it's just like, I'm feeling very emotional, frankly. I'm feeling very emotional to be able to connect with you on the show and to be able to like sync up in this way. It feels very important and profound. I feel the same. Like I, the timing right now is so perfect and cosmic and I'm just such a fan of yours and everything you do. And I'm actually crying. I'm just, I'm it's, what did we, it's, we're not even 10 minutes of talking. I'm fucking crying for some reason already. Oh my gosh. I was, I was going to ask you if people cry on your episodes in the past because, because I, I was cry. like, I'm probably going to cry. I cry on my episodes. It's our moons. Our moons are just like, hit it ladies. Yeah, that's right. But you are a dream. You are such a vision and making such a powerful impact in this community. And so grateful to know you and hold space with you. So thank you for having me. This is, I honestly, for listeners, this is what happens when you put two Leos in a room together. (laughs) This is the type of shit show that it becomes where, so I was watching, I watch a lot of nature documentaries and I was watching this fabulous nature documentary, highly recommend it. It's called something mating actually. actually, Maybe I don't know the full name of it, but it's narrated by David Attenborough Mm. and has everything that you need in a nature documentary. 
And it's about like how different groups of animals like engage with each other, how they couple up, how they take care of each other. And I was watching the the segment on lions Mm -hmm. and female lions and what they do in order to make sure that the male lions don't kill their cubs. Turns out the Lion King is like too true to form. This happens Mm -hmm. all the time. And (laughs) the lion females, like they make it because if a lion, if a male lion senses that a cub is not his in the pride, if that he's not the father, he'll kill the cub. So what the female lions do is they all band together and attack the outside lion males together. And they treat all of their cubs as their collective children. So there's no distinction between like whose mom is who and whose father is who, because when you're in the lion pride of just ladies, it's like everyone is a sibling. All of the women work together. And I just obviously, as you could imagine, I was like, oh my God, Leo women, Leo women. I die for Leo women, truly. <laughs> we die for each other. That's that's it. We're about that life. Yeah. <laughs> well, all of this aside and included, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and let them get to know you, your work, your story. How did you become who you are today? What has that journey been for you? Sure. Well, the second my mom brought me home from the hospital, a woman ran across the street and was like, careful, careful, careful. She's not just a regular Leo. She's got a lot of Leo. And that feels very potent and cosmic. You know, astrology was literally with me from from day one in some sense. Wow. I am also a cult baby, which makes for an interesting life and beginning. Um, I wasn't raised in a cult, but my parents met in a cult and decided to get married because the leader of the cult wanted everyone to get married. So yeah, like mysticism, spirituality is definitely something that has been embedded in my family and my early upbringing. My younger sister, Melissa, is the light of my life. And she is also neurodivergent and has something called Rett syndrome. So she's nonverbal and has a lot of seizures among many other things. But my whole life, I've just wanted to communicate with her, like really figure out like, how do you become telepathic? Like that has been my life's mission. And I think that has just really pushed me further and further into other dimensions and, you know, communicating with other spirits and entities and just my interest in the psychic world, for sure. That's so interesting and also speaks to something that I feel so strongly about, which is obviously like the as above, so below nature of it all, you know, And I say often that astrology is like kind of an impossible chicken or the egg conundrum, which is like what came first, like you having psychic powers or a life and circumstances and situations that would have called for you to be able to tap into those abilities and learn how to navigate emotional, energetic, non-physical, non-verbal circumstances and hone those skills. And that's the magic and of this nebulous mystical space that we're operating in. It's like, we don't really know if what comes before the other, but you kind of know 
at least, you know, as you start to get older and I think start to put the pieces together, you're like, oh yeah, I needed these skills to survive. And these skills have also become my identity. And the integration of that is, I feel like where many people find themselves who really commit to this type of work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you start incorporating astrology and that language into your practice? Yeah. So definitely was going through a rough time as many people are when they turn to the stars. I feel like my sister throughout her life has had a lot of medical emergencies, has been on life support many, many times. I'm so incredibly grateful and privileged that we've been able to work through a lot of those difficulties and she's pulled through. She's like the strongest human I know. But all of those battles with her health, I started correlating them with the full moons. Like I was like, oh, shit seems to go down, you know, with the moon cycle. So I really kind of dove in there and just had an interest in, is it possible for me to predict when I'll have rough patches? You know, I have sun square Pluto. So control is the big thing for me. So you came into astrology, really approaching it from like an electional point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I never really thought about, but definitely. That's so interesting. I feel like that is such a specific way. That's such a unique entry point into it of being like, how is the timing of this impacting my life? Because the timing of astrology is like kind of such a, you know, that's its own skill and practice and exploration of, you know, the big umbrella of astrology. And it was certainly something, it was one of the things that I sort of learned and incorporated into my practice later on. It was not what I I started out with. It was not what captured my interest. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, as a Leo, once I found my birth chart and realized that there's more than just a sun sign, like like fully went down that wormhole and didn't look back for a very long time. I was very much obsessed with my birth chart for probably, you know, still, I'm still obsessed with my birth chart. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> forever, forever, forever. Yeah. <laughs> so what has it meant for you over the years to go from something that is like a passion and an interest into it being your career? Oh my goodness. It has just been like the greatest joy of my life. You know, I want to help people. I want to make a difference. I was raised in this, you know, as a caregiver with my sister um, from a very young age. When I was 21, I became her guardian with my mom. And before that, I mean, I was taking care of her from, you know, when I was like eight or nine by myself and she requires a lot of care, but it has also been just, she's the biggest inspiration in my life and motivation to stay positive And like, you can get through anything. She's evidence of that. And if I can help other people realize that and shift stagnant energies and break bound, you know, uh, limiting beliefs and outdated programming, it's, just an honor to do so. So how with, you know, from one caregiver dynamic to another, August Leo, 1989, Mm -hmm. how do you not let that weigh you down, but instead empower you and lift you up? How do you metabolize that? I think just even over the past six months, I've gotten a lot better at that, but it's like a lifelong daily journey. You know, I don't think there's a quick fix 
or answer for it. I have my daily magical practices that I do, you know, journaling, EFT tapping, staying present, grounded. But truly, like my sister's energy is so powerful and so vibrant and so inspiring. And I just am in awe of her always. She's a Leo rising as well with a Sagittarius sun. So she's just like, she's the most social, warm, filled with love. She's a, she is love. And yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on the caregiving dynamic. But for me, it's just been, it's been a gift. It's been absolutely heartbreaking and challenging, of course. But I've been told uh, in many work situations that my positivity makes people nauseous. So I always try to look (laughs) on the positive side. And like, how do you feel like you can, and this is really for listeners, for myself, like just a genuine curiosity. Like, are you always thinking of your role as a caregiver when making certain choices? Like, do you feel like you have autonomy and freedom to explore what you want to explore, live where you want to live? Or do you feel like you have to sort of, you know, do you feel sort of anchored to those responsibilities and duties that you have? Mm. Well, I mean, I basically lived with my mom and sister until I was 30. So that's like two years ago. So heck yeah, I feel anchored and a responsibility. Just, you know, even if it's not the ins and outs of doing her care personally, it's being that support role to my mom and making sure the house is taken care of, making sure we're on top of things. But yeah, you know, like I never went away to college. I always lived within 20 minutes when I when I did move out from their house, which there were pockets where I moved out, of course. I was literally never farther than 15 minutes away. Right now, I live the farthest I ever have from them. And I'm 45 minutes away. And I'm just recently adjusted and comfortable with that distance. But it took me a long time. You know, there's the Golden Gate Bridge is in between us. And that's like anxiety inducing sometimes. Mm -hmm. I had a a breakthrough a few years ago in realizing, or maybe not a few years ago, maybe it was yesterday. I have no (laughs) idea. It's hard to track time with these things. But the sort of awareness of, oh, actually, I do know when it was. It was when I started spending more time upstate and less time mm-hmm. in New York City. And the realization that I had in starting to be able to put more awareness into like natural cycles, natural rhythms, animals, plants, seasonal shifts, was I became very aware of the fact that growing up in my apartment in New York City, 700 square feet, with my mom, with her having her illness, with her having her addiction, with her having like it being a really intense and scary and stressful and claustrophobic environment. I went into my astral psychic dimension all the time. That was always what I did because that was an escape, you know? So creating and mapping the cosmos and mapping the landscape of astrology was very easy for me Mm. because I had spent so much time in my childhood and in my adolescence sort of retreating into my non-physical astral body so that I could be in that environment, but yet still have imagined possibilities that existed outside of the confinement of the situation that I was in. And then when I started spending more time in nature, 
I started to realize how much I had not embodied and was, this is something I'm working on constantly and in real time, certainly, which is sort of like taking this idea of the cosmos and the seasons and actually feeling it rather Mm -hmm. than just visualizing it, imagining it, theorizing it, but becoming it and embodying it and being it. And that is sort of like a, you know, to me that is playing obviously with the as above, so below axiom, but it also, I guess it's what happens when Uranus crosses your IC. Mm. But I also think that it is like interesting to me because it is so different than my experience coming into astrology. Mm. And I know that there are people who obviously practice astrology and grew up in like beautiful rural country environments. And whether or not those had different implications, they had like a sky Mm -hmm. landscape to work with. And I really just had, I had no, I couldn't see anything in the sky. I was in New York City, but I had like my imagination. And that has facilitated so much of the work that I do is like that retreating upward, I suppose. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Embodiment is something that, and just being present is, is something that I'm new to within the past couple of months. And it wasn't until... I discovered EFT tapping through Gala Darling that I really became present in my physical being. And oh my God, like my life is completely changed, you know, because like you were describing that disassociation or retreating into another world, like that has been just how I exist, you know, compartmentalize and yeah. So we've, Gala was on the show. I met her. I was so lovely. Once upon a time before a pandemic, I would record in person with people. I actually went to her apartment in Los Angeles when she was living in LA, had a fabulous time recording an episode of this. It's one of the first episodes on, of stars like us. It's like one of maybe it's like within the first 20 episodes Mm -hmm. of the show. And since then, she was the first person who I learned about EFT tapping from. And since then, we've had a few other practitioners on the show who incorporate EFT tapping into their work, but it's still very new to me. It's not something that I practice personally. So I would love if you would share with our listeners what it is, what it means, what it does, how to work with it, and give us some information and insight on that. Sure. So EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also referred to as psychological acupressure. So you're using the traditional Chinese acupressure points through the body. It's used a lot in like modern day psychology. I consider it energetic work. You basically tap along these different points and you talk through an issue. So you can either craft a script yourself or have someone, a practitioner work with you and craft a specific script. But it literally like rewires associations within the brain. And I've just never experienced so much transformation so rapidly. And like, it helps you release limiting beliefs, outdated programming. There's something about naming the issue. And then the, I mean, the acupressure points, that physical embodiment piece, it's incredibly powerful. And when you say that you that the the speed of the transformation or the i guess it's sort of like the the turnaround time of these experiences is so visceral and identifiable can you give us like an example of that or can you speak to how someone would be able to differentiate something that is like 
a very fast turnaround time versus something that is a slower process. Sure. Yeah. So I have trauma related to reading. And as a child, I was locked in a room and forced to read the Bible, which was very traumatic for me. Oh, that sounds like truly horrible. (laughs) That sounds genuinely just horrific. Yes. And meant to keep it a secret from my mother. And so anyways, it was very, uh, very traumatic. And my entire life as a Virgo moon, as a Virgo Venus, resist like such a deep resistance to reading. I literally went to school for journalism. Like my profession was an editor, writer, but could not pick up the books that I have. Surrounded by books, have so many books. But the first time I did an EFT tapping, the next day I read two full books for the first time since 2007. So it was immediate, profound. I also suffered a lot from insomnia. Very, very bad anxiety. Would be awake at night from four to five hours in the middle of the night, just sitting there chatting with myself, overthinking. And after I tapped, I don't really struggle with it anymore. Sometimes you have to, it's like upkeep, you know, it's like spiritual maintenance. So if you do find that you're, you know, having issues again, do another tapping. It's eight minutes of your life. Like, you know, it's not, the rewards are like unbelievable. So some of them are quick shifts like that. Other ones are ongoing maintenance, like naming your worth, taking up space, releasing the need to seek approval, like all of these, you know, more complex topics, maybe something that you do on an ongoing basis. And then other times, like if you're tapping on something, that's an issue. Other issues will start to appear. You know, maybe your, your brain starts to focus on something else and it's, it's kind of, it's like an onion. So the thing that I think freaks me out about it is that it feels too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And the Capricorn rising skeptic in me is like, I don't know, turnaround time like that, like that feels too fast. Like, how could it be? And, you know, when Gala was on the show, she was telling us that she, and I, I think her origin story in a lot of this is that she had been suffering from an eating disorder and used EFT to heal. And as someone who has you know, I think once you have an eating disorder, you kind of always have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So like as someone who has an eating disorder that is currently dormant, but was very active for many years, the idea of it just being like, and then it was gone. is like, that couldn't be, it could simply not be, it's impossible. So I, yeah, I think that that is kind of my resistance around it as it just feels like a silver bullet, a panacea. And I'm very suspicious and skeptical of those types of things, but maybe it's to my detriment because maybe things could be just easier. No, but I mean, that's healthy to be skeptical, you know? And you know, if you ever want to try tapping, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, I would love to tap with well, you. Well, I, I definitely have tried it. I have done it before. Yeah. I'm not like scared of it. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, ooh, like what's going to happen? Yeah. But I think that what freaks me out is like, I don't know. I I get worried when it seems like there is such a quick fix solution to something. It makes me worried for some reason, but I don't know. That might be my own, my own shit, you know? Yeah. The quick fix solution, like with reading. Sure. That's one thing I was able to to work through. I have also struggled with an eating disorder throughout my life. Um, and 
that is also currently dormant. But I think in my experience, it's layered, it's complex. It's not just one thing. It's not just body dysmorphia. It's worthiness. It's fear of taking up space. It's uh, approval. It's control. Yeah. You know, control. Control is a huge one. So that's where it, it takes an investment and a commitment and knowing that you're worth it and knowing that you're worth working through all of these different complex facets and also not having the expectation that it's a quick fix, right? Like this has been something that that's been a prolonged and a constant in someone's life. So just really being open-minded and surrendering to what comes up during the tapping sessions and moving through it, sitting in the discomfort, um, and then addressing the different areas that come up. Mm -hmm. It is very, um, interesting. And I I feel like that kind of like mind, body, spirit connection that is facilitated through it is really meaningful, you know, creating connection points with your own form while you're also working with the psychological, while you're also tapping into, no pun intended, like, you know, the, the mystical pathways that it creates. I think, you know, the combination of all of those is a recipe for success. You know, Mm -hmm. that is no doubt. It's like, do you ever do mirror work as a Leo? I mean, I hope so. (laughs) I don't do that much mirror work. Mm -hmm. I don't do, no, I don't. But tell me about your experience with mirror work. Just, you know, when you're looking in the mirror and you're saying some badass stuff to yourself and pumping yourself up and being your personal cheerleader, like, there's like a high that comes from that, you know? And I think that I get that similar feeling when I'm doing the tapping. It's like naming it, declaring it to the universe. Like I am fucking worth it, you know? Yeah. I thank you for reminding me of the significance of mirror work. I used to do it all the time as a little kid. Mm -hmm. It was definitely, it's like when I think of, of my magic as a child, a lot of it was you know, there was a mirror in my apartment growing up that was 100% a portal. And I remember having the experience of looking at myself in that mirror. And I must have been like maybe two years old and being like, oh, this is your body? You know, and apparently that is a stage of development. That is a stage of childhood development is like awareness of your awareness and the recognition of sort of like, you know, they, I'm obsessed with the show Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman. And in one of the episodes, it was, you know, basically showing, they did all of these experiments on these toddlers to basically determine when they create consciousness, when consciousness Mm -hmm. is formed and consciousness is associated with being able to identify yourself in the mirror. And the way that they did this is they put like a little sticker on each kid's nose or their forehead or cheek or something. And if the kid was tried to like pick it off in the mirror, but then didn't try to pick it off on their own face, they knew that they hadn't made that link Mm. yet. But if they did, then they knew that they had made that link. And that was the determination of consciousness. So up until sort of becoming aware of that, that experience that I had, knowing that, remembering it, being able to recall it was one of my sort of foundational, you know, I am a soul within a body experiences. Now it's like, oh, well, I also remember the, my coming into consciousness. But then if I take that one step further, it's like, well, yes, that is the spiritual experience because consciousness is the spirituality 
like glue that holds everything is consciousness, of course. So anything that is going to evoke consciousness is tapping into the mystical dimension because that is the mystical dimension mm-hmm. is the consciousness. Mm-hmm. Literally had full body chills when you were talking about yourself as a child in front of the mirror. I also, Leo problems, spend a lot of time <laughs> with the mirror and hilarious that it's an adolescent phase because mine lasted well into my teens. <laughs> You're like, I was still r- discovering my consciousness until I was 19 <laughs> years old. <laughs> you know, especially during the MySpace phase. Like, have you ever sat in front of a mirror and then, you know, um, like medicine cabinets on the wall? If you o- if course. you open it up, then there's like all the versions of you, like hundreds of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I would just stare at myself until... I creeped myself out, like from the other side. You know what I mean? Like I felt like, mm-hmm. I was like, that's not me over there. That's someone else, like a different version of me. Ooh, yeah, very spooky. Very spooky. I, I used to, I, I would have to like look away and not look at myself in the mirror. Cause I was like, ooh, I don't know who that is. Ooh, I love it. This is very intriguing for my eighth house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, vampire. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's really interesting. and. I think that like there are certain things in spirituality that like I have some skepticism slash resistance slash like apprehension Mm -hmm. around, you know, human design for me is another one. Mm. Where do you live with human design? So I found out that I am a projector and that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I have some resistance to it. The whole founding story, I don't know. I'm not really, um, yeah, I would say I'm I'm skeptical, but so far what I've read resonates. Apparently, I mean, mine also similarly resonates. I'm a manifesting generator. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> Fine, uh-huh. you know? It's like, I, I guess it's kind of hard. I oscillate between being like, damn it, Aliza, like be a, good sport, you know, like be a, like you're in, you're a fucking astrologer, like be a team player and, you know, like co-sign these different modalities because they are important and you don't want to like be weird and like, see like, this is legit and these aren't, you know, like that's a shitty way to be. But at the same time, I'm also like, that's keeps me very self-aware, you know, it, it keeps me in line with my integrity mm-hmm. to distinguish like what actually works for me versus what one could think would work for me just based on the, <laughs> you know, the orbit that I have. Right. Well, I think certain, don't beat yourself up about it. I feel like certain modalities speak to you, right? They don't speak to everyone. So if it's, it's if it's not your modality, that's okay. But yeah, I have, I have similar thoughts about it. Yeah. I, there turns out there's a lot of things that aren't my modality uh-huh. though, you know, like as, and I think that maybe the more pervasive spirituality becomes and the more mainstream mm-hmm. it is also the little punk asshole in me is like, I don't claim it, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not me. That's not my vibe. And it's interesting to be in this sort of like, you know, to be our age mm-hmm. <laughs> as twins, mm-hmm. to be sort of have started in this before TikTok Mm -hmm. really, because, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about astrology and spirituality being more mainstream just on Instagram, but TikTok has taken everything to a whole new level. It's dialed it up tremendously. And 
there are people who have just, you know, enormous, massive followings as astrology practitioners or spiritual practitioners on these new platforms who have also are kind of studying it as they go in real time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's almost like a, you know, as it becomes more and more seen and adopted, I almost feel like my, it has to be Capricorn. It has to be my Saturn. It almost feels like it's like swings backwards and it's like, like easy. It's not everything, which is also like huge with manifesting, right? Like I am, I wrote a fucking book on why astrology and manifesting coexist. Mm -hmm. And I, if I do an interview where someone talks about manifesting, I'm like, listen, like, it's not really that easy. Uh Like it doesn't really work that fast Uh uh because it's like, yeah, you know, because I just don't be, like the, these kids are being like, I manifested five hundred dollars, and I'm like, did you find it? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you go looking in your parents' pockets? Yeah, because that's not manifest. I have a serious resistance to TikTok. I've made made a couple yeah. TikToks, but I just can't get into it. I know your TikTok. You did a good job with your TikTok. Uh, you're sweet. You're sweet. You did. You know, it's just, I don't know what it is. I got to tap on it or something, but I just can't seem to get <laughs> into the TikTok. Yeah. It's a whole other world. It's very loud. Yes. It's very, very loud. I think that's what it is. I'm just instantly overwhelmed. And like, I feel like my energy field is being penetrated by a million different things at once. Well, and you can't really exit. It's a little existential. It's a little like SART, no exit kind of vibe. Like you go in and you're like, there's nowhere to go. Right. You know, like on Instagram, which is obviously like a platform that was so designed in our own maturation. It's like second nature, for instance, to like, know like there's a profile that's kind of like your home base. Mm-hmm. Then you have, then you can like go exploring. Then you come back. You're gonna like look at your own pictures. You know, like that's, that's, so that's cute. I, I love that Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> but like I always am like kind of coming home mm-hmm. to my own profile. Mm-hmm. Whereas with TikTok, it's like <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah, like you're in there. You're in the fucking videos. You don't start off by sort of centering yourself. You just immediately get thrown in to the these very loud sounds. <laughs> It's kind of stressful. It's stressful on there for me. I guess I've used it enough to have an algorithm that knows the type of content that I would prefer to see. Mm -hmm. So I think I've like shifted into that Mm -hmm. phase Mm -hmm. of TikTok where it like doesn't feel like it is going to be like emotionally destabilizing when I go on. But I have found myself in some very strange corners of TikTok where I've been like scrolling and I've been like, is this a QAnon post? Like, yeah. how did I get here? Like, what's going on? And, you know, it took me by surprise. And then, like, where do you go from there? It's like, wh- okay, now TikTok thinks I want conspiracy videos. Like, what did I do wrong? Right, right. Where did I go wrong in this? And how do I bring it back? I did spend one day, like, aggressively liking cat videos. So when I when I do open the app now, I am greeted by my feline companions, which is usually much appreciated. Your adoration for cats is in the first sentence of your bio. Can you tell me about cats? Can you tell me about cats, the musical, cats, the animals, cats in general? Yes. So at one time I was living with five cats in an apartment and that was like peak 
amazing. You, everywhere you looked, there was everywhere you looked, <laughs> you're like, you're like, that was called, that's called the sublime. <laughs> everywhere you looked, there was a cat. There would be a cat on the couch in front of you on the perch outside. <laughs> I just love them. I love everything about them. I think they're stunning creatures. They're gorgeous. They're, they're mystical beings. They're just so magical. I mean, they were worshiped. What else do we need to know? You know, I just, um, yeah, right now I'm currently living with two that I found in a bush when they were little kittens. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're six. They're Leos, of course. Both of them? Well, they're siblings. Yeah. So Lindsay's two little Leos, but yeah, I just can't get enough of cats. I don't know. I was born obsessed with cats. I think I know that you said you're, you're not much of a cat person as a, as a Leo, right? No, that's not true. I love all animals. I love all animals. I, I do not discriminate okay. animals. I embrace them all wholly. Yeah, I think I just blame it on um, all the Leo placements. It's just like, I, I definitely had to have been a cat at some point in a past life, for sure. Just get them. Yes. I had um, some traumatic incidents with cats. Mm. So that could be, I have a scar from a cat biting me. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that, which is so weird, but it's fair. It didn't turn me off to cats in totality, but I have a lot. I was also grew up with a lot of cats, but it was like part of the chaos mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. so many cats around. I think that I had at peak cat in my, one of at my father's house, I think there were five cats <gasps> and yeah. And it was, it was a lot of very dirty yeah. And it was very like smelly Mm -hmm. and nobody was cleaning the cat litter. Uh And there was like the stuff on the floor and the cats were my stepmothers and Mm. my stepmother didn't like me. And I, you know, so there was a lot of like, this is overwhelming, Mm -hmm. you know? That's a lot working against the cats. And actually one of the first things that I did when I started working with a therapist in my early twenties is my family had forced me to take a cat because my younger sister, it turned out, was allergic <gasps> after living in all of these cat dens. Oh they gosh. forced me to take a cat, an, an elder cat, and to adopt it, even though I didn't want to. And one of the first things that I did with my therapist is return the cat. Ooh. So cats have like a lot of symbolism to me as like domestic pets. But I love, I think animals are just the coolest. You know, Jupiter cancer people over mm-hmm. here. I have mm-hmm. Jupiter and Cancer in my sixth house. So like oh, sometimes oh. I fantasize about just like living in like an animal sanctuary mm-hmm. and just like hanging out with animals that can like come and go as they please all the time. If I could have a cat rescue center, like let's call that in. That would just some farm living with all the cats. I, that lo- I love that. Yeah, it would just be everything. I, I also wish I could do pet readings exclusively. Can you read for pets? Like, can you psychically pick up on them? Actually, Luna, my cat, if I smoke weed, I swear on my life, I can read her mind. Really? Yes. I believe that. She full-blown talks to me. Yeah. Yeah. So does that happen to you when you smoke weed? Because that happens to me when I smoke weed. Out of this dimension. It's like next level. Okay, me too. Yeah. I can't really smoke because of it. I got to do it on the weekends. And I have to be like with my partner and no one else can be around. Otherwise, I, you know, I get weird. I get so weird. I yeah. get so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I can read people. I read people's minds. I'm picking up on energy. It's but crazy. Like, it's so intense, which it made living in California for me very hard because it's so, you know, weed is so like pervasive and it's like 
casual there. And for mm-hmm. me, there's like nothing casual about smoking weed. Like I could literally take a fucking bag of mushrooms and be a mm-hmm. more normal person than having one too many hits of weed. One too many hits of weed, I can't function. I am a non-functional being. Percent. Yeah. My third eye usually starts to burn. I've had the feeling of like my feet just disappearing. Like they're not in Me this dimension. Too. How fucking weird is that? Oh my gosh. I love that you've had this feeling. Yeah. Joey's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, my feet are not here. They're in another dimension. I've tried mushrooms twice. The first time, zero effect, nothing. But weed, my goodness. Yeah. With mushrooms, I feel like I can, even if things are getting trippy and weird, it's like, I feel like I'm with weed, I get into a tunnel. Like, I feel like I'm in a tunnel space with weed where I feel like I don't have the ability to, it's like I have blinders on and I can't really get out of a hole of thinking about something. I get kind of like stuck in a vortex, Mm -hmm. but with mushrooms, it actually is very expansive. And like, even if something weird is happening, it's like, oh, look over here then. Like, take a look (laughs) at that. Have a little more perspective with Uh weed. It's like very circular, spiralic. Yeah, thinking and then I get cold. That's a thing that happens and I'm like shivering mm-hmm. and I'm cold and I'm reading people's minds and I'm like, that person wants to kill me. Like <laughs> they, they think I'm so weird and it's probably because I am like, I'm like shivering in a corner. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> relatable, relatable. <laughs> I hope so because sometimes it's nice to talk about it. I feel like I'm the only person who like sees weed as a hard drug. No, it's it, like a hard drug for me. 100%. Yeah. And and it, it lasts. Like for me, it'll last yes. like four hours. The next day I'm like- Me too. Shouldn't be on this call, you know, but- Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's like, I, I, it's not a casual thing. What is your relationship with alcohol? I don't drink really. Maybe once a month, maybe, but I don't. Um, I never did any drugs or drinking. I never went to a high school party in high school just because of my sister. I was always like on guard, on duty, just expecting the worst, you know? And so I was always very responsible. But when I turned 21, I was drunk every day for a year. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna party. So, got that out of my system. I'm a big puker, a nervous puker. So <laughs> I I just, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the ER off of like six shots. You know what I mean? Really? And then the nurses are like, what's wrong with her? But yeah, just uncontrollable vomiting, Virgo moon issues. So I don't like alcohol. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to reframe my relationship with it constantly because it is definitely probably the easiest substance for me because it mm-hmm. is such a numbing substance. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it almost feels like the antithesis of weed where weed is like, it brings me into these like very deep, intense, Mm. hyper aware, hyper focused places. Like alcohol is like, like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And like that for someone with such bad anxiety is a relief, you know, Mm -hmm. to like not give a fuck. But obviously then there's all of the implications that come with it. You know, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually do that. It's just kind of an an illusion to think it does. Totally. And yeah, as someone with anxiety, absolutely have had the same experience where, don't get me wrong, I love tequila. My family's from Jalisco. That is, you know, tequila (laughs) capital. But yeah, it's great in the moment. 
uh, social lubricant. But the next day, my anxiety is always like tenfold. It's compounded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you feel sick because it's like a poison. Mm-hmm. Literally, like you can, I, I always feel my kidneys or my liver or whatever, just like cursing my name. This has been such a treat of a conversation. <laughs> I have two questions for you. Yes. Question number one is, what do you believe in? Ooh, I believe in magic and ghosts and psychic abilities and that we all have the power to rewrite our story and really take our power back and shift our perspectives and we can heal ourselves. I think humans are inherently magical beings. Perfect follow-up for question number two. How does magic show up in your life? Ooh, ooh. I think my sister has been the greatest source of magic. Just, I just feel so honored and privileged to have her by my side throughout my entire life, um, just illuminating and reminding just such important values and the power of positivity and perseverance and resilience and also ghosts. I, I deal with ghosts a lot. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're a 12th house uh, son, right? Uh, Jupiter in the 12th. First house son. That's it. First house son? Yeah. Jupiter? Only Jupiter in the 12th? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you had another like personal planet or something in the 12th. No? No, but the moon rules my 12th. Maybe that's it. Okay. Well, speaking <laughs> of which, let us pull a card to from this Black Moon Astrology deck to explore together. Do you have a question or a concept that you would like to look at through the cards? Maybe just a general guidance from my guides. How about that? Love it. With the tarot, I would never let that slide because the tarot needs (laughs) such specificity. But with this deck, I feel like an Oracle deck, you could get a little more like whimsical, especially Mm -hmm. if you're talking about archetypes, Mm -hmm. uh, which we will be because it's an archetype deck. Pile one, two, or three? Three, always three. Always three? Mm. (laughs) Message received, (laughs) always three. (laughs) Well, this one jumped out. And sometimes when they jump out, I don't, I like get back in there. I'm the boss, but this one jumped out and it didn't, it, it actually said, Hey, it's, I'm the answer. And it is earth element. Stability Ooh. is what arrived. So the earth signs are obviously Taurus, Virgo, Cappy. You have an earth moon. Mm. I wonder what, how would you interpret this card for yourself right now? I have been spending a lot of time planting my hands and feet outside every day and just visualizing like an energetic cord into the core of the earth. So that feels, and it it just, it rejuvenates me in a lot of ways. So it feels really on brand. It feels really sweet. It is really sweet and it is on brand. And I love that. Pile three, earth card stability. We love to see it. So Stephanie, where can we connect with you and follow up with you and continue to be part of your journey? Uh, so you can, I'm on Instagram at Stephanie and Campos. And uh, my website is stephanieandcampos.com. I have a cosmic coaching that I'm going to be launching within the next couple of weeks. So I'll be working with clients one-on-one. You can join me there. We'll be doing astrology, EFT tapping and energy work. So cool. Uh, Yeah. And I'm super excited. 
And then I also have a group container that's launching, obviously, when Jupiter conjuncts Neptune next month. And it's going to be called You're That Witch Bitch. And we'll be doing monthly astro tapping. So based on the transits, what's coming up, and I'll channel a script and we'll tap together and do some magic and spell work. Fuck yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Thank Thank you so much. This has been so, so very lovely. Thank you. It was such a treat. 